the difference between eating for optimal health and eating for the perfect body, the negatives of having too low of body fat, what the ideal body fat percentage actually is for both male and females, the dangers of a perfectionist mindset when it comes to nutrition, what is the gut microbiome and her top three foods for optimizing gut health and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 508 with certified functional medicine nutritionist, entrepreneur, and highly sought after speaker, Rachel Shear. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help individuals who are hungry for growth get closer to the best version of themselves so that they can live meaningful and impactful lives. Are you somebody who really wants to improve your health, but you're overwhelmed with all that life is throwing at you right now? Are you somebody who knows they want to feel better in their own skin? You want to be more confident in your body and you want to be a good role model for all those around you? If so, then you need to go get access to my new video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle. You'll get a grocery list, a week's worth of workouts, and a list of healthy snacks and sweets to choose from. You can get all of that for absolutely free today by going to nickcarrier.com. Today, I know you guys are going to love hearing from Rachel Shear. Rachel is a certified functional medicine nutritionist, an entrepreneur, and a highly sought after speaker with a passion for gut health and healing. Her unique approach to health and healing has helped thousands of people overcome their health challenges by taking a root cause approach, which I absolutely love. Rachel has built a fully organic, multi-million dollar business and speaks at various events and conferences on entrepreneurship, the power of owning your story, healing, abundance, and her expertise in functional medicine and gut health. So without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Rachel Shear. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. Today, I'm super stoked to be joined by the one and only Rachel Shear. Rachel, just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Nick, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, of course, of course. So I had the opportunity and the blessing to meet you a, a few weeks back at Amber Lily's event, but we didn't really have a chance to connect or really chat during that during that time, and I would have loved to pick your brain during that time, but I know that you had to focus on uh, your speech and everything, and everybody, uh, there's a lot of people in the room, so I'm really excited to be able to dive deeper into a little bit of your story and then dive deeper into the nutritional knowledge that you have because everybody who's listening to this podcast not only wants to get better in all areas of their life, but they're really health focused and largely fitness focused and and really interested in, in nutrition. And so I'm very excited to be able to give them some really specific guidance and advice with regards to some of those topics. But I want to start off with a little bit of your story in that you were competing at a really high level for about three years with bodybuilding, and then you were getting ready to turn pro, and then you started to get really sick, and you went to a colorectal doctor, and they told you that you the only way around this was to get your entire large intestine removed. And I kind of just want to ask you, what did the symptoms start showing up as when you started to realize like something is off, like I'm not feeling right? And then at what point, from like initiation of symptoms to seeking out help and advice, like what did that? trajectory look like? Yeah, thank you for asking. And just to give a bit of background for your listeners as well, I correct competed in bodybuilding. Um, as most of your listeners, probably, I started out on my fitness journey, because 
I'm wanting to feel more confident in myself, right? We, we start off from a place of not feeling good about ourselves, at least most of the time, not always, but I will say, right? A lot of us are like, man, I don't like the way I look. I'm not feeling good in my body. I'm not feeling good in my skin. I feel very insecure. And fitness is such a beautiful way to create confidence, create strength figuratively and literally. And I fell in love with it for that exact reason. I loved what it was doing for me mentally, physically. I loved the way my body changed. And that's what really got me into bodybuilding because it gave me this new sense of confidence. I was studying nutrition and dietetics at Baylor. And I just was always obsessed with the human body growing up. I was like that kid who read the back of like ingredients list and like would Google what every thing was on the back of it. I don't know. I just terrible at math. <laughs> so I chose science in the human body, partially because I was a gymnast and I was a dancer. Um, but I got more on the extreme side and that's what led to a lot of my health issues. And I'm just giving everybody a little bit of background because bodybuilding is not a very healthy sport. It, it's not. And um, I would think I was at like 10% body fat for a good three years and we look at a lot of these bodybuilders like, oh, they're the epitome of health, but it's not really health at that level. It's aesthetics. It's about looking good in a bikini on stage where everybody is literally judging you, like statement where they're like, nobody's judging you. No, everybody is judging you for every little critique in your body, for it to be perfect for a judge. So mentally that can take a toll because your worth is put so much into your body. And so like this whole thing that started out as me becoming more confident actually became an insecurity and a source of my worth a lot in my life. So, you know, ultimately I pushed my body to the extreme side and maintained a suboptimal body composition that was not good for my hormones, my gut and everything, emotional stress too, with everything I just dove into about putting worth in our body, which so much of us do. Um, physical stress, overtraining, and eventually my body just gave out on me and um, started to deal with a bunch of gut issues, was chronically bloated. I would literally look six months pregnant because of how bloated I was, and I didn't have any menstrual a menstrual cycle anymore. Um, my thyroid plummeted, so just like you said, I went to the doctor, and they did all the different scans, MRI, CT, because my major issues were my gut couldn't go to the restroom anymore. I was very constipated, which is like, I feel like I can just talk about that openly now, which before it was like, Oh, I don't want to talk about that. That's embarrassing. I, I swear on every podcast. Now everyone knows I was constipated, <laughs> I swear. but, um, you know, to really get to kind of the rock bottom of this was I stopped being able to use the restroom at all. And I was handed from doctor to doctor. I was given all of these false diagnoses. And when I say false diagnoses, I mean like label type diagnoses, like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and given laxatives. I was given an antidepressant because of how depressed I was. And it's like, well, duh, I was depressed. And birth control for my hormones and thyroid medication. And that's when I was then sent to a colorectal surgeon because I just continued to get worse and worse, where they then said, hey, you know, instead of you know taking all these laxatives which you're probably gonna have to do for the rest of your life and I was at this point where I was having to do an enema now to even use the restroom like I know I'm not very cute or sexy but that's like the reality of it that is suggested I just get my whole urgent test and taken out and um you know your question was to me is 
what were a lot of my symptoms, but I felt like it was important to share a little bit of that backstory instead of just saying, these were all of my symptoms that I, I struggled with a lot of different symptoms. I struggled with chronic bloating, constipation, couldn't use the restroom, depression, anxiety, chronic fatigue, you know, and so much of it came back to my gut. And that's actually the core of what my work is now is it's taking a gut centric approach, which I'm sure we'll dive into here in a minute of what that exactly means. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a accumulation of a lot of symptoms that I think a lot of people struggle with, or they can relate to at least some of these symptoms, whether it's gut issues or it's depression, anxiety, like we've all experienced these chronic lifestyle related issues at some point in our life. Um, maybe cute, but for a lot of people chronically, we just don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first off, I do appreciate you giving everybody more context, context into your story and being open about sh sharing everything about your story as well. I know it will be something that a lot of people will be able to relate to and, and appreciate. But a couple of things that I wanted to ask or address that you had brought up, you know, you talked about how you got really into the fitness side of things and nutrition side of things, and you went to the extreme and that really wasn't for necessarily optimal health. It was maybe for optimal aesthetics. And I really have, I really believe that there is a difference, right, between eating optimally when it comes to looking a certain way versus eating optimally when it just comes to health. And then you and you talked about how you were maintaining a suboptimal body fat, maybe percentage of 10%. So I kind of want you to talk about maybe the difference between eating for to get as lean as possible for like a bodybuilding competition versus what eating should look like for optimal health. Yeah. What is the difference between optimal health and having quote unquote, like the perfect body, right? Mm. And, you know, the definition of a perfect body, it's so subjective, right? And our culture has created this idealistic view of what a perfect body should look like. Um, and there is a connection, I'd say an overlap between an optimal body composition where people should be for optimal health but then there becomes a point where leaner doesn't necessarily mean better. And, and a question I usually like to ask a lot of my clients is, is this adding to your life or taking away from your life? Because maintaining an optimal body composition, fitness, nutrition, eating foods that love you back, choosing to work out because you love what it does for you mentally and physically and the confidence, you know, and then, like making that a lifestyle that adds to your life. It adds to your relationship. It adds to how you feel every day. Now, when it becomes about getting to the perfect body and having the perfect body, and that's all it's about, which is very common in, in bodybuilding, right? It's just about having the body. We start to notice it actually takes away from life, right? You know, we, I'm carrying around like my perfect meal prep food everywhere I would go. I would say no to social events. My sense of worth really was tied to my body. Um, so I dealt with a lot of anxiety, care a lot of what people thought of me. And that wasn't really adding to my life anymore. So I like to talk a little bit on like the psychological side of it in terms of what is really the focus on. And mm -hmm. we ask ourselves that often, is this adding to or taking away from my life? Usually we're at a point where we are in our life where maybe we're really overweight and we're chronically fatigued all the time because we're eating shit food that 
causes inflammation throughout our body and our brain and our gut and our hormones are off. And we're like, man, this is taking away from my life. I don't feel good every day. I wake up feeling like I'm hungover. I feel fatigued. I look in the mirror and I, I don't like my body. I feel insecure about my body. That's taking away. So we start to get healthy and we start to you know, make fitness a priority in our life, we start to feel better. But that's where I say it's kind of like this point where, you know, we can take it to the even the far side where it's no longer about adding to our life, which all of us, it starts from that point. I think all of us is because we're not happy where we're at. And we know we want to create a life that we love. So there's that psychological side, but two from I'd say even a physical standpoint, because I do functional medicine and I'm always about, you know, what are the numbers? What is off internally in the body, right? An optimal body composition in terms of health for a female is typically 20 to 25%. A woman can probably be okay getting closer to 18% body fat, but really for optimal health, 20 to 25% is optimal. She will have a normal menstrual cycle. Hormones will be balanced. Her blood sugar will be regulated. And she's not going to have a ton of inflammation because of extra fat or adipose tissue on her body. And anything above 25%, you know, we start to have extra fat on our body or maybe overeating a little bit there. And that extra fat can cause inflammation in their body, which is the root of a lot of disease. For men, it's a bit different. Um, guys, it's typically around 15 to 20%. So guys can be a bit leaner, but we have to remember women carry fat also around their ovaries and their breast tissue. So a woman at 20% looks like a guy, right? Typically at around 15%. But for a guy, it's typically around that 15 to 20% for optimal health. Now, he can definitely get a bit lower and be totally fine. Guys can actually get down to, I'll say, probably like 10, 8% and be totally fine. Mm -hmm. Now, anything below that, we start to see a net negative where there's not actually a benefit because blood sugar becomes a bit more unstable. Um, we start to see maybe like extra stress hormones throughout the body, like cortisol, which is very catabolic, which can play a role on the mood in our gut, our sleep. So typically from a body composition standpoint, we want to fall within that range and maintaining something lower. There's always going to be a net return getting above that. There's always a net negative so we can break it down from the physical level and what happens in the body. But I, I really do always like to look at it from the psychological level too. And really the place that we're coming from, because I think sometimes we do lose sight of that too. Yeah, no, that's so great. I, I appreciate you getting specific into the numbers and the reasoning behind that, because I know that I work with so many females and if they step on a body composition scale an in-body scan, a DEXA scan, whatever it is, and they see a body fat percentage pop up, they have zero context and they see a number in the 20% and they just, for whatever reason, think that's high. Not for any reason, just because they just have never really looked at that number before and have, have no context. So I really appreciate you identifying optimal ranges and the reasonings behind that. When when you were getting so low on body fat with, your, with bodybuilding and, and competing, what were some of the things that you were doing from a nutrition perspective? that were maybe unhealthy, but you were doing them because they were getting you the aesthetics that you needed to compete at a high level? Yeah, great question. So 
when I was at a very low body fat percentage, I was counting every single macronutrient, every single calorie that I was intaking. And I had a very perfectionistic mindset revolving around it. Mm-hmm. So I would plan on my food every single day, which is nothing wrong with that, you know, but it was very much like I have to stay within this calorie and this macro goal. And I would never allow myself to really go outside of that. Right. And at the end of the day, like your body doesn't know the difference really, really like a little bit above or a little bit low, but I had a very perfectionistic view about it, which bodybuilding getting that low, it's very much typically a perfectionistic hyperachiever type mindset to begin with. So number one, I was just obsessed with calories and the macros that I had to hit. Um, and that was like my goal every single day. And I was very, very routine. I'd say overly routine with everything that I was doing, which routine is great. Routine helps us get to a goal. You cannot get to a goal without any routine. Like that is the, really the whole point of a routine. But I was so routine where I would never stray from my routine. That That's when it did take away from my life and social events, mm. things like that. Like I had to hit my routine all the time. Um, diet, you know, it was very simplistic, which honestly, my diet is still very simplistic. I just have probably a little bit more of a variety. I don't track calories or macros anymore. Um, but it was very much just like straight up protein, veggies, maybe some fats in there. But I had a lot more diet foods also in my diet. And what I mean by that is a lot of artificial foods, the pre-workouts, the post-workouts. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Walden Farms, but they're like this like fake food dressing, like I think um, they have a maple syrup, but it's literally made out of gums and filler and sucralose. And there's no calories. There's no um, sugar in it, quote unquote. It's just completely artificial foods that are terrible for our gut. And just because there's no calories in it doesn't mean it's not feeding the bacteria in our gut. So that was a lot of my diet, a lot of diet foods, fake foods, obsessed with my calories, my macros, and very, very routine where now, you know, I eat real whole food. Like that's still a part of what I do because that's one of the foundations for overall health. Um, So it's not like I went the opposite, which a lot of people do. They're like, I'm so strict. Now I'm going to go and eat just a bunch of processed foods and all of that. I eat real whole food. I eat food that I enjoy. Um, because I did track macros for a good period of time, which I think everybody, there's a benefit to doing that for a period of time. Like if you're Mm -hmm. like, I don't know how much protein I need a day. I don't know what that looks like on my plate, track macros, um, learn what your body needs, do it. But does that mean you should be tracking macros for the rest of your life? Probably not. Like that's not going to be a very ideal life. Like no one wants to be 80 years old and be like, do I get, I don't know. (laughs) Where are my carbs and my protein at today? Now do it, learn it. Don't get obsessed with it. Um, don't make that be the sole focus. And that's where I was at. Um, so now I don't track calories and don't track macros, but because I did, I know what my plate looks like and how much protein I, I roughly need, but I don't sweat on it having to be perfect. I eat intuitively. I listen to my body. I listen to when I'm full. I listen to when I'm hungry. I honor my body's hunger cues, but I choose to eat real whole food. So I can actually listen to those cues because when we're eating a lot of those processed hyper palatable foods, we're, we're not, we get cravings and that's different than hunger. Mm. Um, we also um, don't know when we're full because a lot of those hyper palatable foods that taste so good that release a ton of dopamine in the brain will make you continue to eat. I would say you know, like give someone a bag of chips or ice cream, they will eat that until it's gone. doesn't matter how full you feel. 
but give somebody a steak with some broccoli and some sweet potato. Like you'll eat that and you'll enjoy that, but you'll reach a point where you go, hmm, I'm full, I'm satiated, and you'll be able to push that away. So you can listen to that better with real whole food um, that you can enjoy, but you can't really do that with these hyper palatable, really good tasting foods. So kind of even going back to what I used to do, even is when I would hit my calories or whatever for the day, if I was hungry, I would say, sorry, Rachel, you can't eat, you know, and I wouldn't let yeah. myself eat. Um, or if I was really full and I just like, I, did, I didn't want any more food. I was like, no, you still have to eat this other meal. And then I was force feed myself. So I actually stopped listening to what my body was telling me. And I started to just, again, focus on the structure and hitting a perfect number. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think that oftentimes, like you said, it's it can be useful to track calories and macros for a certain period of time to get an, an idea of where you currently stand because some people might track their macros and calories and be like, man, I'm not getting near as much protein as I need to or, or whatever it is. And uh, it's important to know that. But like you said, I think the biggest thing one of the, that you've done that a lot of people need to make sure that they do is to not have this perfectionist idea or perfectionist tendency to it because then when you do inevitably screw up, oftentimes people just go off the deep end with regards to it. So not having that perfectionist tendency is key. And then you also mentioned how you were having diet type foods that maybe didn't have tons of calories, but were disrupting your gut microbiome during that time. So I think that's really a big takeaway for other people as well. We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share some words from a participant of the 10-week transformation. At Best You, we started running the 10WT back in January of 2020 and have since had 313 people and counting go through it. They've seen their bodies get stronger than ever before. They've seen the stubborn fat finally come off and they've seen their habits dramatically improve. And honestly, more than anything, they've seen their self-confidence skyrocket. If you want to learn more about the 10-week transformation, then you can go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. That's nickcarrier.com slash the number 10WT. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but first, here's what they had to say. I started the 10-week transformation um, purely out of FOMO from some of my workout buddies wanting to do it, and I didn't want to be left out. You know, I didn't really go into it with a plan. But once I completed my first session, I came out of it with so many different positive impacts that it had on my life that when I went into the second and the third, I had even more goals that I wanted to accomplish. You know, the 10-week transformation not only improved my lifestyle, but it improved my family's lifestyle. Everybody in the fitness industry or just everybody in general is always wanting some kind of secret sauce. And I think one of the things that I have found to be most beneficial to me during these last 30 weeks is that it's not a secret sauce. It all has to depend on what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. Um, the 10 week transformation obviously has wonderful workouts because anything with Nick and working out is great. But what it really brings to the forefront is the accountability and how just making small changes can make such a big impact on your life and those around you. Um, you know, I really do believe that this has been transformational for me and for my family, and I just could not endorse it more. Now I do want to dive into a little bit more of information about the gut and such and 
I want to start with just kind of like a high level idea of what the gut microbiome is so that when we get to like the practical tips and stuff, we can relate it back to that knowledge to a certain extent. And so just high level, I know the gut microbiome is essentially an environment of good bacteria and bad bacteria. And we want to make sure that our good bacteria are a lot higher population than the bad bacteria. And so we need good probiotics to help populate the good bacteria. And then we want good prebiotic foods to help feed uh, that good bacteria in there as well. So I want you to kind of like continue with that conversation to give a little bit of, bit of context and education around it so that when we get practical, we can relate it back to it. Yeah, the gut is so important. And I learned that how I learned how important it was on my own healing journey, because all my issues came back to the gut. Um, and the root causes were all of the lifestyle related issues that caused my gut to be off. And our gut responds to the food we eat, to our stress, because our gut and our brain are very interconnected, and it responds to our environment. So it makes sense as to why our gut tends to get off first, but our gut actually influences all the other systems in our entire body. We have an entire army of bacteria that lives in our gut. We actually have more bacteria in our gut than we do cells in our entire body. We have trillions of bacteria and all of the bacteria in our gut is what we call our microbiome. And those bacteria, they're not just dormant, they're not just hanging out. They're in a symbiotic relationship, meaning, you know, we help the bacteria and they help us. Um, so mm. the bacteria in our microbiome influence all of these other different systems. They influence our brain through the gut brain connection. They influence our hormones, our thyroid, which plays a big role in our metabolism. How many calories we even extract from the food that we eat to our inflammatory levels, to our immune system, to our skin. So everything really comes back to the gut. And Hippocrates actually said all disease begins and ends in the gut. And modern medicine is only just beginning to catch up with how powerful the gut is and how all disease is really rooted in having poor gut health overall. And what poor gut health means is a little bit of what you described. And so when we have an overgrowth of bad bacteria, this can be pathogenic bacteria and inflammatory bacteria, and we don't have enough of good bacteria, we call those probiotics. And these bad bacteria trigger inflammation throughout the entire body. And especially if it's a pathogenic type of bacteria, but also to, they disrupt a lot of the other different systems in our entire body. They also have shown a connection between a low diversity in the gut, meaning not a lot of individual different types of strains of bacteria that live in our gut has been connected to a lot of different metabolic issues, type two diabetes, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, dementia. So even, you know, mental health issues, um, obesity, you know, the list goes on and on all because of the bacteria that reside in the gut. So when I actually started to do these gut healing protocols on myself, right, I had these hormone issues and I had, you know, thyroid issues and I had skin issues and I had depression, everything started to improve by healing my gut. Well, how did I heal my gut? 
there was certain protocols I had to do. It wasn't just taking a probiotic. It wasn't just, you know, eating more prebiotics or fermented foods. Like those things are great, but I had to address what caused my gut to become off in the first place. So three stressors, emotional stress, dietary stress, and it can be environmental stress. That is really the root of all disease can be stemming from those. And it's different for each person, but that then led to my microbiome becoming off and overgrowth of bad bacteria. And this bad bacteria actually, um, the bacteria ferment on the food that you're eating. So I was give the analogy, if you've seen how bread is made, where we have yeast and we give that yeast sugar, and then the yeast ferments on the sugar and the bread rises, that process happens in our gut. So when you have an overgrowth of bacteria or even something called SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, we get an over-fermentation of this happening. So that's what leads to all of the bloating. And I have bloating and the bacteria that produce these different types of uh, postbiotics and um, inflammation that then impact, again, all of these other systems. And especially if you have something called a leaky gut, which is when our gut lining has been broken down because our gut lining is only one cell layer thick. And that can happen because of stress, cortisol, Chronic high levels of cortisol can break the gut lining down, poor diet, an inflammatory diet, the standard American diet, right? Full of a bunch of inflammatory foods, processed foods, um, the gut lining breaks down. And now we get bacteria, foods, toxins leaking into the bloodstream and triggering a full body immune and inflammatory response. And there's even studies that have shown when we have a leaky gut, we have even a breach in our blood brain barrier, which now affects our neurological health. So we actually literally get in a leaky brain, which now impacts our mental health, our mood brain fog is actually a huge symptom of having a leaky gut. So typically poor gut health comes down to overgrowth of bad bacteria, low diversity, not enough of good probiotics, um, and sometimes some leaky gut that we see there, all from a byproduct of our lifestyle, and then further impacting all these other systems, hormones, thyroid, adrenals, brain. And I can elaborate a bit more on how it impacts those as well. Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like if somebody is listening and they're thinking, man, I'm, I think I might have a gut issue. I'm not really sure, but maybe I need to evaluate the different emotional stressors that I'm having in my life, the different environmental stressors that I'm having in my life, then the, the physical things like the the movement, the nutrition, um, are, is that a pretty kind of good overview of like the bases that somebody could look at when it comes to trying to identify what might be causing a potential gut issue? Yeah. So if you're someone who has gut symptoms, meaning you have chronic bloating, constipation, diarrhea, um, or you have non-gut symptoms that can actually be traced back to the gut, depression, anxiety, brain fog, nervous system, dysregulation, all of that's typically traced back to the gut. You know, normally it's looking at what's the most obvious thing, right? Most of us know if like we need to clean up our diet, our diet's not good. If we're under an extreme amount of stress in our life, um, if we're not sleeping very well. So I think sometimes when we just really check in with ourselves and we're like, hmm, what is really not working in my life right now? Like we know that answer. And I think what's difficult is, you know, sometimes people can hear this and be like, oh my gosh, I need to address all of these things. I need to fix my gut. And then they're stressed out because I think they have to fix it all at once. 
Um, no, and my journey didn't work that way. It was addressing one thing at a time for some people. It's starting first with their nutrition. You know, I need to cut out all of these processed foods. Um, I need to get rid of like all of the diet foods. I need to start eating real whole foods. I want to add in some prebiotics and probiotics. And I want to start there. Awesome. You can be someone else listening to this and think like, wow, you know, I'm under a ton of emotional stress right now. I'm not sleeping. You know, that's your answer. Whatever comes up for you, like that's what you want to start on first. So it's not feeling like you have to fix everything all at once. Um, but it is looking at those areas and sometimes it can be overwhelming, right? Because healing the gut is definitely a process, you know, and it's not just changing your diet and the next day, everything's perfect, right? If you have gut issues and symptoms. So that's where like my company, Rachel Share Nutrition, we do stool testing. We look at the microbiome. We look at what's going on. We look at the hormones, thyroid, adrenals. We see exactly what is off. And we get to know everyone's lifestyle and we create like a treatment plan to address things in the order that they occur um, instead of just trying to fix everything at once. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think, like you said, most people, if they sit down, really evaluate and look at these different areas of their life, they can probably identify which area it is or, or which maybe multiple areas, but oftentimes it might just be one that they're lacking in and then it just comes down to coming up with a plan to start correcting that a little bit. Um, one of the questions that it's kind of second to last question I want to ask you could, could go on forever, but I want to make a, make sure I'm respectful of your time and, and make people want to go learn more about you and go follow you and stuff. But second to last question here is if, if you on a regular basis, like on a weekly basis, have like three foods that you always want to make sure that you get in to help optimize your gut health, then what are those like top three foods that you try to regularly get in to make sure that your gut health is op optimized? I know that's a top, I know it's a tough thing because there's so many, but like if I, if you had to say like my top three, my top three foods, um, I'm going to pick one of three types of good gut healthy foods. Um, I always give the three P's prebiotics, probiotics, and polyphenols. Those are awesome for good gut health. So prebiotics, they feed the good bacteria in your gut. Probiotics, they are fermented foods that have bacteria. And then polyphenols are a type of food that has um, an antioxidant in it. It's what gives fruits and vegetables their bright colors. Typically, so you see them a lot like blueberries and beets and sweet potatoes, purple carrots, and they're great for the gut health. They work like a prebiotic. So um, I would say prebiotic, that's my favorite I eat right now because I, I can't say like I have like a number one favorite. Um, I'm a big leafy green fan though. I eat mm -hmm. a ton of arugula. So good prebiotics are really any type of insoluble fiber. My favorite mm -hmm. is arugula. So each eat, eat your leafy greens. Arugula also has a natural bitter in it. So bitters are great because they increase stomach acid. They help your body produce more digestive enzymes. So that's why you can think of the flavor of arugula it has like that bitteriness and your tongue probably is starting to salivate just as a byproduct of thinking of something bittery. Yeah. And it's producing more enzymes. So bitters are great. And I love getting it from arugula. Also great. So a great prebiotic, um, probiotics, I would say sauerkraut. I have this beet sauerkraut that I'm obsessed with right now. And I actually have <laughs> morning with my eggs. 
So sauerkraut is a fermented cabbage. For some people, raw cabbage can actually make them bloated because there's a lot of fiber in it. And sometimes too much fiber can actually cause a bit more bloating because it's fermentable to gut bacteria. But sauerkraut has been pre-fermented by the bacteria. So a lot of the fiber has already been broken down and it has a lot of good bacteria. And I just like beets. So you, you have a beet sauerkraut? Tell me that. I've never heard of this. It's like hot pink. Huh. It, and it's, so is it a sauerkraut that's been like fermented with beet juice or what, like what, what is it? I think, I yeah. Know. I think with beet juice. I haven't looked into the process. I just know yeah. it's sauerkraut and it's hot pink. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Probably should look into the process. Yeah. I might, I might have to look, where do you, have you, do you get that from the grocery store? Or you order, order it at Whole Foods? Whole Foods. Whole Foods. I'm going to have to look into that next time I go. Interesting. Cause I, I, cause I know how healthy beets are, but I just, it's so hard for me to eat them. I just don't, I, I like most things, but beets are hard for me to swallow uh, or hard for me to put down. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love but, uh, this, this has been, say that again. The beets are good if they're cold, chopped up and in a salad. If they're yeah. like hot and you're just eating them like an apple. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Right. I guess gross. Oh man. That's amazing. But this has been so amazing. I hope you guys have been like taking notes and. Wait, I have coming... my third one. I have okay. Food. Oh yeah, yeah, polyphenols, right? And two, my polyphenol. I can't not say the third one. The third one, polyphenols, uh, blueberries for sure. Blueberries are what I have every day with breakfast, with my eggs and a beet sauerkraut. Um, but I will say my favorite is dark chocolate and matcha mm. green tea. Those are great sources of polyphenols as well. Well, those ones are my favorite, but I just can't say the best for gut health is chocolate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it is good. A little bit of dark chocolate, 90% dark. So it, let's just stay there for a second. Uh, what what are the benefits of, of dark chocolate? I know you said just polyphenols, but is there, is there more than just that? Uh, the main I really know a lot about and can probably talk about is the polyphenols and dark chocolate mm. overall, really good. But yeah, yeah. good source of fats. Anything else, I'd just be making it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I love it. I love it. That's great. Well, again, I hope you guys have been taking notes and coming away with some actionable steps that you can start to implement after this episode. Like we've just covered so many different things with regards to the difference between eating for the quote perfect body and actually eating for optimal health. We've talked about the different uh, kind of ideal body fat percentage for both male and female and actually the negatives of on if you're too low and body fat percentage. And then I think my favorite part was talking about how not to have a perfectionist tendency and perfectionist mindset when it comes to nutrition, because it can just lead to extreme behavior in both directions. And so we want to make sure that we obviously do not have that. There's been so many different great things here. You guys need to make sure you go follow Rachel on social media. You can follow her on her personal page at Rachel Shear and at Rachel Shear Nutrition. Uh, I was scrolling through your page over the last few days and like seeing so many different hot topics and seeing so much great advice. So I know you guys would love to go scroll through some of that as well. And make sure you also listen to her show, uh, Shear Madness, the Shear Madness podcast with Rachel Shear. Uh, where else should people go? Uh, to learn more about you? Uh, you can check my website out. So if you're interested in learning more about functional medicine, nutrition, all of the testing, microbiome, stool 
testing. That's what my company does. We do a free complimentary root cause analysis to see what your root causes could be because there's mm. not one, it's root causes, plural. So we dive into that and we see if testing would be helpful for you. Very different testing than what you would get at your doctor. They won't be running a stool microbiome test with you there. So that's the difference of functional medicine, getting to the root cause, taking a gut-centric approach to health. So you guys can uh, book a call at rachelshear.com. Beautiful, beautiful. If you guys are having issues and you need help, like go book a free call, take advantage of that. Um, but last question here, Rachel, is I think that in order to get closer to the best version of yourself, it's both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think that we ever actually get to that best version of, our, of ourself. And I also think that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So this last question is for you personally, is if there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to the best version of Rachel Shear that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Current, wait, three things to work on on myself right now to get better, yep. my best me. You got it. I've been doing so much work on myself for the last five years, it never ends. Um, I'd say number one is, and I think this is for everybody, it's the relationship we have with ourselves, first and foremost. And when I say relationship with self, it's really the way in which we relate to ourselves, our view of self. And I'm really passionate about, we didn't get to dive into this, but the deep, deep, deep healing work that we all should be doing. And that is where the relationship we have with ourselves, the way we view ourselves really stems from. And it's really understanding that and really continuously doing the work on ourselves. So that would be number one. Um, other two, because I think that's just such a big one. Like that's the work we should always be doing. It definitely encompasses a lot. It definitely encompasses a lot. That's really good. And work on yourself right now. Um, yeah. Two is presence, practicing more presence in my life. I think often we're trying to get somewhere else where we think when I get somewhere, I'm going to be happy when I get to that perfect body, when I get to the perfect relationship, when I get to, you know, we spend all this time trying to get somewhere. We actually miss out on being here in our life. And here right now is really all that we truly have. Everything takes place in the now. So right now I'm on a journey of practicing more presence in my life, surrendering into the now, not always trying to get somewhere else. Um, so that's a, a mental, I would say game. It's really a surrendering a lot. Mm. The number three, um, man, I'll add in a fun one. I'm trying to, uh, master of my three minute ice bath, but it's torture. <laughs> Man, that, that sounds brutal. That you know, sounds I, I had it down for a while, but I think, well, I moved to Texas recently and I had it down when I was in Cali and then I didn't do it for a few months. And then now it's just brutal again. Yeah. I feel like anytime you get out of doing something hard consistently, I mean, it's like working out. Like I've talked to so many people where they worked out harder for so long and then they took plenty of time off and they're like, man, it's so much harder to get back into it than I thought. But that's just what it what it takes to, when you do something hard for a long time and you take the time off, it's just hard to get back into it. So just, just be patient with it, I guess. Yeah, it sucks. Cold, it sucks, but that's kind of part of it, right? Is it's, uh, 
being able to kind of push through that and pay attention to the conversation you have with yourself. It's really a mental game. Everything I said, my top three, it's all mental, right? In order yeah. for us to continue to up level in our life. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Rachel, I just want to acknowledge you for, I mean, way back when, when you were having all the issues that you were having, you could have so easily done what probably 99.9% of people would have done and, and had that surgery to have your large intestine removed. But you're like, you know what? No, I'm going to take ownership of this situation, take it into my own hands, be curious and figure out what the hell that I can do and take responsibility for to, to start changing in my life. And then you've implemented your changes and you've helped thousands and thousands of people to do that for themselves as well. So just want to acknowledge you for all the great work that you've done on yourself, the work that you'll continue to do on yourself and the work that you've done with, with thousands of people. It's, it's remarkable. And I can't wait to uh, see how much more you're able to do. Nick, it's been awesome. Thank you for having me on your show. Of course, of course. Y'all make sure you go follow her on Instagram at Rachel Shear. Y'all make sure you go take notes if you have not yet already. There was some great stuff in here, but Rachel, that's all we got today. Appreciate it. Thank you. That episode was fire. I hope y'all are either taking notes or you go back and take notes or look at the show notes because there are so much to take away from this one. And remember, if you're overwhelmed with what you should eat, if you want to feel more confident in your skin and you need a way to satisfy that sweet tooth in a healthy manner, then go get access to my video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle at nickcarrier.com for free. And remember, there is a difference between eating for optimal health and eating for the optimal body composition. And we want to always be eating for optimal health and not taking it to dangerous extremes. Remember to ask yourself, is this adding to my life or taking away from it when it comes to what you're doing with your nutrition? And remember her three P's for optimal gut health. Prebiotics, eating things like arugula and other leafy greens. Probiotics, eating fermented foods like sauerkraut. And polyphenols, eating colorful foods like blueberries. If you can eat for health, not perfection, allow food to work for you and not against you, and eat foods that lead to proper gut health, then you'll continue getting closer and closer to your best you.